Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, and up until a moment ago, we were wearing exactly the same sweatshirt. (laughs) I like how you took yours off, but I kept mine on even though I'm covered with rain. You're wetter than I am. I'm still wet from the shower, though, so... I'm so wet right now. (laughs) Says no one listening to our show. (laughs) How you doing today, Adam? Oh, it is one of those atmospheric rivers in LA kind of days, and I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) It sucks. I'm not leaking, though. My house isn't leaking. Hey, that's good. I saw the weather report and I got up into some spaces with some clear silicone caulk yeah. above a lot of my doors and windows and ran a bead. And the caulk is holding? No leaks in the studio. I'm so happy for you. Still pretty leaky over here. <laughs> my roofer has not responded to a text in weeks. I've got a caulk recommendation mm. if you'd like one. I've always wanted you to tell me what caulk you recommend. Oh, yeah. Feels good in the gun. Uh-huh. really massive ropey beads you're laying down in your cracks yeah well like they might be a sponsor so don't say it you know tell me off air all right i will hey if you're listening to this but would prefer to be watching it uh, we're going to be posting this marin in our youtube channel in addition to being on the podcast feed oh yeah because we're going to do a code 47 adam it's going to be great it's not going to get taken down Because no one ever sends us copyrighted music as a a code 47. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, we have tons of packages here from the post office, and I think we will uh, make our editor crazy if we don't jump right into it. So what do you say? All right, let's do it. We appreciate our editors at Uxbridge Shimoda. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Uh, first one here is a, a flat package. Uh, it's from Andrew in Silva, North Carolina. Like Tom Silva? Uh, it's spelled differently, but ah. I'm, I'm sure pronounced the same. Sure. We have compromat from all the people that sent all of this stuff in, so uh, don't worry. Boy, there's just a stack of the same sizes of paper here. It looks like a manifesto. Is that what we got? It does look sort of threatening. It says... Dear sirs, it is our most sincere hope that this letter finds you quite well. Enclosed, you will find zero glitter and ten custom Voyager Mad Libs, plus a special surprise Mad Lib at the end from the author of the Frozen Floating Harry Kim P1 and his perfect girlfriend slash editor, probably fiancé, by the time we read this. So optimistic sounding for someone who (laughs) listens to our show. (laughs) Uh, we hope that the meta humor pleases you, that the linguistic absurdity delights you, that, dare we say it, our offering may sate even the pod gods themselves. But please understand, we are not trying to pimp you into doing Mad Lib segments. Really, really, really. Just writing them for you was joy enough. So if you don't want to, then just don't. <laughs> I love it the longer it's going. This is great. <laughs> You've both made many a road trip, renovation project, and dinner at home that much more fun to share together. You've long delighted the FOD, one and all, and made our lives better. 
We are forever your humble servants in all things, etc., etc. <laughs> thank you again and again and again, Andrew and Jess. Wow, thank you, Andrew and Jess. If Andrew's speaking for Jess, I doubt Jess would be down for the humble servants forever <laughs> and ever part of that letter. Yeah, we've got story on one side and part of speech on the other, so you can't even cheat. You could potentially do a solitaire Mad Lib with these. Just like you used to do as a kid. <laughs> oh, man, this is great. I have long missed our Star Trek Mad Libs Marins, and I would love to bring them back. And now we have an opportunity. I would love to do those with you at some point, and not just because we were practically begged. <laughs> I feel like we were begged as much not to as we were begged to do it, though. That was the begging version of passive aggressiveness. (laughs) That's what that was. Adam, our next package here is from all the way in Dublin, Ireland. It's from Rebecca of Dublin, Ireland. Wow. A city that I lived in for five months uh, during college. That was where I did my study abroad. All right. Dear Ben and Adam, greetings from an Irish FOD. Yes, the package has made its way from Dublin. Enclosed is a rare and specifically Irish piece of Star Trek TNG merch. These are locks of Orla Brady's hair. (laughs) These are mini rolls of hard sweets, candy, made under license in the 1990s by Oakfields, an Irish sweets company. As a kid, I sent away for the collectible A4 poster, which was for your collection of holographic stickers, one in every pack of sweets. Having found my incomplete poster, I bought a bunch of unopened sweets on eBay. Sadly, my collection is still incomplete, but I thought, who better to share my duplicates with? You can fight over who gets the boy. The boy. And generic Romulan. Mm. I know a European date for a live show would be too much to ask, but if you ever find yourself on the Emerald Isle, you have some loyal fans here already. Always happy to dust off my walking tour of Dublin for you and fellow FODs. Enjoy, Rebecca. P.S. I am also saddened by the absence of an ankylosaur from my very grown-up dinosaur chicanery? Ankylosaur. I don't know what this last word is. You always get the hard part trying to read those doctor's prescriptions. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, I'm going to open up this interior package. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe you could fit like four decks of cards kind mm. of a size. Oh, man. And they are still in the package, these sweets. They are Star Trek The Next Generation sherbet-filled fruit-flavored drops. Look at that. Those aren't Rolos. Yeah. It contains a collectible holographic sticker. What do you say I uh, rip into one of these and see what kind of sticker we got here? Oh, man. Is that the sticker? That Commander Riker sticker right there? Good sticker. That's the rule on Greatest Gen. We always eat the things that are sent to us immediately. The things from the 90s that are sent to us. Let's see. I got a a green flavor of candy. No word on whether it's green because it's so old or because uh, that was the original color that it was. I think mesophones will be interested in knowing whether or not that's a hard candy or not. Is that a chewy If it once was, it is no longer hard. And now all of our mesophones have left the chat. No! Make them stop! Make them stop, please! That looked very bright green for a thing that's 30 years old. You can tell it's got the good stuff. It tastes bad. (laughs) We have lots of them, though. We have so many. Does it taste bad because it never tasted good or because it's turned? Little column A, little column B, I think. All right. Maybe you should uh, you should spit into a bucket. 
No, I don't use the bucket anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thank you for this uh, inedible <laughs> shipment of candies, Rebecca. Uh, this is great. I'm going to enjoy the stickers. I'll give Adam half of the stickers as well. Wow. Thanks. I need to get the A4 poster so that we can put our collection together. Got to. All right, Adam. Staying on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, this next package came all the way from Berlin, Deutschland, from Sasha. Got some some pages here. On page one of three, I've got some in-format screenplay here. Interior podcaster studio day. Picard voice. I think that we should have sent this a really long time ago. Uh, And then um, walk-in voice. Do you want to do the walk-in line, Adam? This... It's for your ass. <laughs> and this is directed to you, Adam. Oh. Dear Adam, until I radically changed my diet, I had a ton of digestive issues, so I feel connected. <laughs> and until I met she who is my wife, I didn't know of the blessings a bidet brings. They are amazing and sadly not common here in Germany. What? But wait, there is now a solution. You mentioned on the show that you were sometimes missing having a bidet on tour. Then that your recording studio did not have one. Not everyone can be as bathroom-blessed as Ben is. (laughs) But now you've moved. Yes, we wanted to have sent this really seriously a long time ago. So you may only need this on the road. Maybe you will not use it, but we do hope you will. In this box, you will find a large mobile bidet for home, a small one for travels. (laughs) Ben and you can also each choose one if you want. Wow. We don't want Ben to be sad and feel like If you cannot decide, we will send you another set. How to use it. One, screw to the top of. Two, float the buoy. Float the radio buoy, I see. Three, screw the top on. Four, put in position and push the buoy. Five, enjoy. (laughs) Wow. I'm surprised that you're allowed to send that through the mail internationally. Yes, indeed. Uh, (laughs) It's really... It really looks troublingly like a uh, <laughs> an electric toothbrush, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to confuse those. You picture Stamets and Culber picking them up in, in unison into the screen and be like, no, 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 don't do it. <laughs> Wrong thing. When you're at use the same toothbrush level as a relationship, I don't know that you ever get to use the same travel bidet <laughs> in terms of intimacy. Too close. That's a high bar. Here's a letter addressed to me. From the same sender? From the same sender. Hmm. Dear Ben, she who is my wife from Brazil, Elena, and I do not want you to be sad and feel left out. That is why we wanted to have included a little cachaça tasting. Your drunk pronunciation of cachaça was on point, by the way. But the pleasures you two are into are not legal to send through the mail. At least not from Sodom and Gomorrah, a.k.a. Europe. Therefore... Well, one of my pleasures is able to be sent to the mail, and you just showed me them. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Therefore, we could only include unfermented alcohol, a.k.a. sugary sweets. Please share with Adam. We don't want Adam to feel sad and left out. (laughs) Wow, there's a lot of concern for each other. Yeah, I like this. There's a lot of emotional intelligence going on in modern Germany. Good for them. One is a butter caramel hazelnut delight from eastern Germany. The other two are chocolates from Bremen, a harbor city with a long tradition of importing goods from the global south under morally highly questionable circumstances. By the way, we couldn't even send eggnog chocolate. It's a war crime! I've been to Bremen, Adam. So is this blood chocolate? Blood chocolate. Delicious. 
I mean, uh, <laughs> he's talking about the tradition of the city. I don't know what the actual oh. story is with the city these days. I see. Oh, shoot. I didn't even notice there are replacement heads for your travel but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to want those. So we've got a bunch of uh, delightful-looking candies here. We've got some Hatches Edla Bitter. We've got some Theodora Hotchfeina Volmich. Oh, yeah. And uh, what would a care package from Germany be without some Fetti Bambina? It's got Zart Bitter in it, apparently. So uh, I'm pretty excited about Fetti Bambina. <laughs> And uh, all of these delicious-looking chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like there's one last secret little thing in here. It's a very ornate little unfoldy package. Oh, boy! It's got... Are these euros or... Oh, no, they're like Polish money, I think. Mm. You go to Poland, right? Yeah, that'll come in handy. Oh, man, we've got some business cards. Is that chocolate, too? Like, maybe you should e try eating a couple. It doesn't crunch quite like Zart Bitter. For example, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. dear Ben and Adam, dear Adam and Ben, if you two ever happen to be in Europe, please let us know and we'll provide you with many of the fine spirits, wines and beers our continent has to offer. Please share this message, if you will. FODs of Europe unite. Let's find each other on Discord and Mastodon so we can provoke slash finance a live show here. Paris would be very suitable and Trek canon, but old Berlin is way more affordable. Plus, you can come here and miss the familiar sight of New Berlin while looking at the moon. Because by 2373, New Berlin was large enough to be seen from the Earth in the daytime. Don't wait until <laughs> Riker misses New Berlin in 40 years from now. Be ahead of him. And it's close to Poland. So much closer than it used to be. Huh. Yeah. Adam always wanted to visit or revisit to somehow motivate you in a weird sentimental way. Foreign coins may be able to. We included 12 Swati 69. <laughs> mm, nice. Uh, enough to buy you a delicious Polsky Piwo and a shot of delicious Zubrauka. Am I pronouncing any of that in a way that you recognize? Oh, yeah. I love Zubrauka. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for making our Mondays marvelous. Thank you for converting my wife from a Star Wars fan into a Star Trek fan. And thank you for all the years of laughter. We can't wait for you two to board the Star Trek Enterprise. You'll love the new Doctor. All the best from Elena and Sasha. Dang, thank you, Elena and Sasha. Well, they're right about our need for a European trip that's economically feasible. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate having all those options. Yeah, that's, that's great. And we've got so many more packages to get through, so I kind of want to just keep running. Yeah. Our next package here is from Denny and Heather in Berryville, Virginia. Dear Ben and Adam, like many, I learned of the greatest generation from the Ars Technica article that was published after a few episodes of the pod had been released. Next Gen meant the world to me when I was a kid, so when I found out there was a podcast that would celebrate this show that I loved so much and held such fond memories for me, I was really excited and knew I had to go download episodes and start listening. I will always remember listening to that first episode while I was taking a shower and lathering my pasty fat ass, thinking, I know more about Next Gen than these clowns. When a magic moment occurred, at the 14-minute mark of the episode, when Adam suggested to Ben a certain inescapable fact about our dear captain's past and his potential relationship with a certain beloved, the boy, 
And from that moment, I understood what you glorious bastards were truly bringing to the table, and I've been a loyal viewer ever since. Enclosed, you will find the auction catalogs from Sotheby's, where they had a very large prop and wardrobe auction when the Berman era of Star Trek was winding down. I enjoyed these photos of the props and thought you gents might too. And if nothing else, you can see from the included sales summary just how much money Carrot Wong dropped. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Best wishes as you continue boldly potting where no pod has potted before. Sincerely yours, Denny. Wow. Uh, And then there's a second letter here from she who is Denny's wife. And she says... Uh, as she who is Denny's wife, I was introduced to the pod by overhearing an episode he who is my husband was viewing. My first thought was, why are these guys embarrassed to like Star Trek? Star Trek is awesome. And I was slightly offended. But then I heard the drunk Shimoda bit and have been a loyal viewer ever since. You guys have kept me laughing and helped me through my dad's battle with pancreatic cancer, losing him and the subsequent depression. Thank you for bringing a light to some very dark times. Thank you for creating such a wonderful community of FODs, and thank you for inspiring us to install bidets on all of our toilets. It's a real theme this episode. See, Ben, we have done some good in the world, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, LLAP head, uh, PS, Factory Seconds, and Santa Monica Mountains are incredible. Wow. So these are the actual auction catalogs of... Yeah. Some actual Star Trek crap. A bunch of those props needing to be glued together. Yeah, these are full color of like... Looks like a high quality document there. Like glossy thick pages. The command chair from the bridge was auctioned off. Amazing. Oh my God. There's so much cool stuff in here. We got to take Garrett Wong up on his invitation to go over to his house. I can't wait to see his prop collection. I'm sure that he's rescinded that invitation by now. (laughs) (laughs) Man, look at these spaceship models. We could have owned these if we were on top of this years ago. We were not. Not on top of it. We fucking blew it, Adam. Look at all the beverage wear from Star Trek that we could have gotten. Bottles and glasses from Quark's Bar. It's getting more upsetting the more you show me. You don't throw something like this away. No. Well, this is just the greatest, and uh, there's two copies of this, so you'll have one to look through as well. That's great. It is fun to look through. These auctions were in 2006, Adam, so we missed the boat by quite a lot. The only way to get back to that auction is time travel. Yeah. Maybe we could get our hands on some uh, some chronometric particles. Yeah. Time travel. All right. Second to last package here. This one is from Kia in Danville, California. This says... Uh, Two, Ben and Adam, read one first. Two, only if you really want to. Heart Rice Cube. There's two letters in here. The one you probably want to read on air. Check out this vintage dot matrix printer paper. And uh, this really is vintage dot matrix printer paper. Cool. Uh, Dear Ben and Adam, I would type this, but printer ink is expensive, and I had this old Sharpie I needed to bleed dry. Been a long-time listener, almost since the beginning, but never had time to write or support via MaxFun. But I felt like I owed you something for the years of enjoyment and chuckles, so please find and close some near-mint-conditioned comics. I've read these several times and found the stories engaging and creative, especially since these are all sci-fi comics and characters I enjoyed from when I was not so old. Perhaps one day when you give in and do Enterprise, I'll have some spare scarves to throw your way. But until then, happy holidays at the time this was sent. 
and my gratitude for this embarrassing podcast. And then a heart from Kia, a.k.a. Rice Cube. So we've got a bunch of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Doctor Who crossover comics here. Hey. Star Trek and Green Lantern crossover comics. Cool. I didn't know that uh, Green Lantern did crossovers with with Star Trek. Because I know that they did um, a crossover with the X-Men, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But isn't Green Lantern DC and X-Men as Marvel? Oh, boy. You're going to get a lot of letters, Ben. Am I wrong about that? You really shouldn't have to ask. No, I think you're right. That's just a thing. But people are going to want to explain why, and (laughs) and that's the thing. I don't care to know why. (laughs) Well, we could just ask people not to send letters, right? I recently consolidated all of the Star Trek stuff that's been sent to me, and I found a box of comics that Bill Tilly sent that looked like every single Star Trek comic that had ever been made. It was it was a stack like a hundred high. This is a pretty big stack of comics. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Kia. Yeah. These, I'm looking forward to reading these. It looks like Star Trek of every era. It's even got 2009 Star Trek wow. people in it. So it's got a lot. Yeah. Okay, buddy. We have one last package, and this one I did have to take a peek inside to ensure that it wasn't a glitter-related package. Uh, because I think maybe what happened is it like busted open in shipping and the post office had to like repackage it. Oh no. Because it, it's like it's like fragments of an exterior that are taped on here. And you got like the post office equivalent of a TSA ticket that said that we looked <laughs> through your package. There is a letter here sent from Dan on the eleventh of September twenty twenty three. Dear Ben and Adam. Apparently, I did some inebriated eBay while watching Star Trek VI, and this showed up. The hinge is a bit loose, and I thought about opening it up and seeing if it could be tightened, but decided it's best to leave that to the Shimoda Studios prop department. Could I note this person and just call it eBabriated? Mmm, I like that. In my previous Code 47, Potatoes and Whisks, episode 430. Mm -hmm. You hoped I wasn't disappointed that somebody beat me to the potato punch. Unfortunately, my reaction was less than phlegmatic. What the gift lacked in quality I'd hoped would be made up in primacy. I imagine Ben could give a reasonable impression of me storming around my office bemoaning the fact that they'd sat on my shelf for months waiting for a live show I missed. Ah well, c'est la vie. Anyway, having caught up with Voyager, I'm now in the greatest Trek backlog. I was tempted to include a screed about the unrelenting dumb of the Disco and Picard writers' rooms. But opinions are like the back of Tuvex's head. They can get you straight up murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness for Lower Decks, and thank you guys for making even New Trek a fun place to be. All the best, Dan. And what Dan has included here, Adam, are the microphone lamp things from the briefing room. At the beginning of Star Trek VI. What? When Admiral Cartwright and everybody are telling them about the Praxis explosion. So cool. You can see that the hinge does need a little bit of tightening and maybe... Maybe it's like the uh, the arms on sunglasses. You just take a little jeweler's screwdriver and <laughs> tighten it right up. That's great. I wonder if it works. Should I plug it in? Oh, it's got... Plug it in. This is a halogen light. I'm a little worried about the tape on the... On the bulb, like, melting if I plug it in. Hold on. This is, like, from that era of the 90s where all desk lamps were, like, 10 million degrees. Yeah. That's a good callback to the uh, 
temperature of desk lamp bulbs. I think we all remember those days fondly. Yeah. I mean, there was like news stories about like halogen lights, like burning people's houses down, you know? Yeah, I'm not going out like that. And I don't want you to either. It works. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Thank you for not only sending us a lamp, but a a working lamp. People are going to walk into Uxbridge Shimoda Studios East, which is what I call my Mm -hmm. house. Yeah. And ask, why do you have that weird lamp from the 90s? (laughs) <laughs> Anyone who's a visitor to Uxbridge Shimoto Studios East should know the answer to that. Yeah, it's like a test you have to pass on the way in. You should have a door to your studio with a little flap, and there's no challenge question. It's it's more of a challenge object. You hold it up, and if the person is sufficiently surprised and delighted by that lamp, <laughs> then they get to come in. <laughs> All right, Adam, do you want to get to the episode we came to talk about today? I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Weird one today. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 18, The Fight. Revert course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) Our cold open begins in Six Bay, where Chakotay is not doing so hot. He's got a head full of aliens. Get them out! And a couple of clip show devices all around. You really see the head and neck configuration to the clip show device. I like that. It's like he's experiencing the worst moments of his entire life and also the throat goat at the same time. (laughs) But also because some blood has been cut off from flowing to his brain, like it's going to give him a great big pop. It's pretty hot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to die in chaotic space if whatever is going on does not go well. There's a conversation being had between the bridge and Six Bay that help us gather that Chakotay has become sort of an ambassador in his mind. It's kind of hard to follow, much like the rest of this episode. (laughs) I mean, a type of beginning I like is the just being thrown into a story and figuring it out. That is not my main problem with this episode. No, but I would say that when... You set the tone like that, then the rest of the episode should go a long way toward clearing up what that was that just hit us at the beginning. This was like the hardest to follow Voyager episode I can remember. It doesn't make any sense. I can't understand it. I'm scared. I'm losing my mind. Because it's nonlinear. Like we go back to the beginning and then by the time we catch up to this moment, there's no regard for having caught up to it. We just zoom past it by the time we get here. It's an unusual format. It really is. So when we come back from the title sequence, Chakotay is suffering. You can tell he's really fucked up by the way he's pulled his bangs down over his forehead. Yeah. Um, He's confused. He's upset by the voices in his head and also the bad haircut. And that's enough to upset anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like he also just kind of needs to have the situation re-explained to him. (laughs) So the doctor is like, do you remember the other day? And I'm like, oh, finally, we're going to understand what's going on in this episode. It's practically that thing you run into in the movie Airplane, where like all the characters are looking at the camera as things are being explained. Mm, mm. Like this is more for us than it is for (laughs) Chicote, right? I guess. Yeah. It also happens at Airplane 2, which coincidentally we just recorded a bonus episode about with the guys from the Flophouse. Never stop plugging. (laughs) <laughs> That's in the Boco feed for you people that support our show. 
I love that Chakotay is laying prone here for no reason except a <laughs> a better frame, you know, with Chakotay in the foreground and Doc in the background. It is a really good frame, though, right? Yeah. It makes him seem like desperate and confused in the way that he is. Yeah. And so when we go to our flashback, it's a flashback to a holodeck program that Chakotay was running where he was boxing. Yeah, this is a pastime that future people enjoy. Boxing without headgear. (laughs) I mean, if the safeties are on, is that the same as headgear? I thought that was going to be revealed as the reason his bangs are so fucked up, because like when you put on the headgear and take it (laughs) off, your hair's going to get mussed. Oh, yeah, you get gear hair. But uh, yeah, that's not what happened here. I mean, the guy he's boxing with might have even worse hair, because he just has like a mohawk, but it's, it's a mohawk of hair that has been braided. I mean, the contest really in this scene is for worst looking back of the head, and it's between this guy and Tuvix. I forgive you. And I don't know who I would bet in such a contest. It's really upsetting because the way that they did the loaf around the hair sort of makes it look like if you squeezed around each braid, it might come out like the head of a zit, Uh, you know? I don't like thinking about that. This guy should go on Dr. Pimple Pomper is what I'm saying. Ugh. Go on it and then don't tell me when it's on. <laughs> if you needed to feel some comfort, Adam, you can because Boothby is also in this scene and he's in Chicote's corner. Hey, there's a Booth. Boothby. But that Booth. Boothby's the name. Why not call me Booth? Boothby, I've heard of you. I should hope so. I've been tending these grounds for 54 years. The one and only Boothby. Pretty hard to ignore the similarities between a Boothby in a corner of a boxing ring and Mickey from Rocky, right? Yeah. Boothby, a more soft-spoken Mickey, certainly. And I think, unfortunately, that's part of the problem because Ray Walston is so soft-spoken. One of the great things about the Mickey character is that it feels at times like he's yelling as loud as he can to get Rocky's attention and to motivate him. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to go, Hawkeye. You want to know? I want to know. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Right. And Ray Walston is kind of taking the opposite tack with Robert Beltran's character. The thing that got Ray Walston cast as Boothby, his gentle grandfatherliness, is really working at cross purposes with his corner man in a boxing gym uh, energy here. So, yeah, I agree. It doesn't quite work, but. Apparently, this is something that really happened to Chakotay. Like, he he got trained as a pugilist by Boothby when he was at the academy. I guess so. So, Boothby has, like, a side hustle? So, he likes botany and boxany. (laughs) (laughs) That was so stupid. Uh, Adam, I uh, just got a letter from the network. They're saying that people are dropping out precipitously from membership in The Greatest Generation. Yeah, I understand. I would leave if I could. (laughs) I wanted to call attention to one thing that I'm sure you noticed was that Ray Walston's kind of Saturday Night Living this scene a little bit. You can tell by his eyeline that he's reading cue cards over Beltran's shoulder. 
Yeah. Did you get that? There were a couple of times where I thought Beltran might be reading cue cards in this episode. Like, yeah. When he's like receiving messages from the ether with a bunch of techno babble in it, I was like, this guy can't possibly be memorizing this nonsense, right? I don't know. If I'm in an episode where I'm the featured character and I've got to be shirtless adjacent mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm going to be doing shups more than I'm going to be working out my lines. <laughs> I want to look plump and vascular. That's the American dream. Yeah. I also thought that Boothby's coaching just seemed insane. Like, yeah. Chakotay is not letting his opponent land punches, and Boothby's like, take the punches. <laughs> That'll tire him out. That'll also get your ass kicked, Boothby. That's the Rocky strategy. Just get punched and punched until the other guy can't punch anymore. It's like the Homer Simpson strategy for sure. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. The fight does not go well. There's like a distracting moment where Chakotay sees some kind of like, you know, Max screensaver from 2002 special effects mm. behind this guy. Yeah, it's enough to distract anyone. And then uh, he catches one right in the dome, goes down hard, and he wakes up in... Uh, in Six Bay, where the doctor is using a vegetable peeler to uh, fix Chakotay's illness. The doc doesn't quite believe that Chakotay's okay. Like, he believes that Chakotay's guessing about the number of fingers that he's holding (laughs) up in front of him. That's a fun detail. (laughs) You got lucky. And Chakotay, in this scene, tries to impress upon the doctor how great boxing is, and uh, the doctor just can't understand it. As a medical professional, he doesn't see any good coming from a pugilist sport. Pointless violence. That program shouldn't even be in our database. Yeah. This seemed more like a debate than an argument to me. There's reference made to like, oh yeah, remember we got in a fight when you first came in after your boxing match? Yeah. And I was like, when are they going to have the fight? They clearly don't totally agree on this, but it doesn't quite (laughs) feel like a fight. Yeah. And I feel like that also made me feel a little bit like I wasn't totally following what was going on. I mean, the doctor should be happy that to Chicote boxing involves never getting hit, basically, <laughs> and that this is a one-off. This was a very bad outcome that doesn't normally go down when, when he's having yeah. a boxing match. Do you think Chicote walks around mostly having conversations that go like, this never happens to me. I'm sorry. I mean, you'll have to understand. This is uh, not something I'm used to, to, to most people he encounters. I'm sure Seska's heard that. Once or twice. It's not normal. Maybe it's something about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Chakotay was laying prone earlier on the, uh, <laughs> the six-pay bed. He wedged his boner up into his uh, yeah. boxing shorts and then laid down on his belly so that nobody could see <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> also, like, detecting some something strange about the head injuries he's received, which is that they have some sort of energy weapon symptoms to them. Yeah. They're just kind of getting onto this as a line of inquiry when a banger hits the ship and Chicote has to go up to the bridge. Chicote conveniently takes a left into his own quarters on the way to the bridge and changes into his uniform before <laughs> arriving. I really want to know like the total time in transit that that is. Yeah. Well, we know that it's 17 seconds from any bridge in Starfleet to any six bay, right? Does that get Scotty off the hook for taking his nephew up to the bridge instead of six bay in Wrath of Khan? If that was only 17 seconds, what difference did it make? Well, it's 17 seconds from the bridge to Six Bay, but then it's like four minutes to engineering. So that's... Right. Yeah. That actually makes it worse for Scotty. (laughs) So 
Yeah, getting dressed seems like not the action of a man who feels like he must urgently get to work, but... Would it have undone the seriousness of the scene if Chakotay's about to leave Six Bay and the doctor's like, hey, take this, and throws him a uniform to change into in the turbo lift? <laughs> I would love that detail. Oh, man, he's like got his pants off so that he can put the uniform on and the door's open and Seven of Nine is there. Yeah. That's what this show does to Chakotay. Why didn't they do that in this episode? And then Chakotay's got to go prone on the turbo lift floor. <laughs> Talk about turbo lift. <laughs> yeah. Try to last more than 17 seconds, Chakotay. I lasted 22 minutes. So he gets to the bridge and we find out that we're in an anomaly episode. We get to see this chaotic space that they're in front of. And then there's a really cool effect where they're trying to back the ship off and the chaotic space sort of overtakes them. Yeah, chaotic space watches the ship go in reverse and it's like trying to understand what they're doing. Very Star Trek Six kind of way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, that, that reference didn't quite hang together the way I thought it would in my head. I'm still sort of trying to puzzle through it. I agreed with it because I'm trying to like, yes, and you. So remember when uh, <laughs> when Kirk's Enterprise is like trying to figure out where the cloaked bird of prey is? Uh-huh. And then the cloaked bird of prey is shooting at Kirk's Enterprise. And then Kirk's like, back us off, back us off. And they pilot the ship in reverse. They're trying to figure out what the other ship might be thinking. Right. And Spock says something like, uh, trying to figure out what we're doing. Yeah. Going in reverse like this. Yeah. Seeing if... Like, maybe we've got them detected. I'm picking it up now. I'm getting it. And that's been today's segment of Behind the Joke. (laughs) So Seven of Nine has some Borg insights into what's going on. And she calls uh, the senior staff down to the ass lab to give them a presentation she has prepared on chaotic space and how dangerous it is. I don't like the statistical significance of so many ships, Borg ships, specifically, encountering crazy space and only one of them surviving the encounter. I don't like those odds at all. And it doesn't seem like the one that survived like learned anything about how to survive it. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, like the idea is that the one that survived got lucky and that's it. At this point in this scene, I was like, is Chakotay's hair messed up because he's going crazy in this episode? Or... Is this just going to be his hairstyle now? Because he went to the trouble of getting in his uniform, but his hair is still as messed up as it was in the first scene, which takes place in the future relative to this scene. Wet Caesar back in the late 90s was more than just a new style and instead like a betrayal of someone struggling mentally. (laughs) It would have hit a lot different, right? In like 97? Right, yeah. People would have been much more worried about Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't like these ads either, Ben. And like they sort of leave this ass lab meeting with no answers at all. And uh, we follow up with Chakotay, who's gone back to his quarters and finally fixed his hair. So it was literally just he had time to either fix his hair or put on a uniform, but not both. (laughs) Yeah. We get a return of the pan flute late motif here. Mm. I never thought we'd hear it again. I didn't either. I really thought that that had gone the way of the uh, regrettable joke from the past. Yeah. A quarter's now festooned with 
every kind of Pendleton blanket there is. <laughs> yeah, he's like hearing stuff. He like the door seems like it's ringing. He finds his boxing gloves on the on one of his uh, Pendleton festooned loungers, and uh, he like goes out in the hallway and turns around, and the boxing gloves are gone. Boxing gloves have to really stink inside, right? Oh, like they have yeah. to be, as far as sporting equipment goes, among the stinkiest kinds, right? When I played hockey, the hockey bag like wasn't allowed inside the house. It, it had to stay in the garage. Hockey bags are legendary for that. Yeah, they, they're bad, but I bet I bet gloves are worse. They gotta be. They gotta be so bad because there's no inside outing a boxing glove. Yeah, you can't air it out the way you can like your shin guard from hockey. You can like leave open. Well, I mean, what's great about these boxing gloves is that they're no longer stinking up Chakotay's apartment. They've disappeared because they're a hallucination. Yeah. So no worries. Back to work, Chakotay. Back to uh, running the bridge. <laughs> Uh, don't tell anybody. And uh, so he does, and he's up there. It's just kind of a lot of like chit chat about this chaotic space and kind of people tossing out casual suggestions for like, hey, what if we tried this? And then the camera goes all like all swoopy and starts floating around the bridge whenever it's on Chakotay. And you can tell he's really not stable and he's starting to hear things again. This is scary stuff because his grandpa had the crazy gene. Yeah. He takes a swing at Tuvok, and of all of the bridge crew to take a swing at, he's probably the best one, right? Like, Tuvok yeah. ably dodges this and, <laughs> and takes him down to the ground. But, like, you got to believe Kim is taking that one to the jaw if it were him in his place, right? In Chakotay's delusion, did he have the boxing glove on when he threw the punch? Because I feel like you throw a really different kind of punch if you've got the boxing glove on or not, right? I agree, yeah. This was like the original premise of MMA, right? Like we'll get like one guy that knows karate and one guy that knows Brazilian jiu-jitsu and put him in a ring and see which one wins. Oh, you're saying this is uh, this is Vulcan style martial arts versus pan flute style? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we find out which wins every single time. My favorite part of this episode is where Tuvok is on one side of a 90s Lexus and Chicote's on the other side and they compete over who can do the most damage to it. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And that's just a cutscene? I know. Wow. <laughs> this episode rules. Street Fighter 2 was so much a part of the Zeitgeist that uh it was. It even was. Star Trek participates. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to Make it yourself. So the captain comes down to Six Bay where Chicote is laid out on a bio bed. And at this point, I was like, I guess we're still in the flashback. This isn't just like a, you think that's bad. <laughs> Remember the time when, <laughs> when chaotic space aliens stripped the proteins off my DNA? <laughs> And, and, you know, you cut away for five seconds or something, and then you're back in the episode. This is not that. We're still in the flashback. There's a guy in a chicken suit fighting Tuvok, like, through every part of the ship. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the crazy gene, the one from that he inherited from his grandfather, has been flipped on. I don't think we can say crazy gene, Ben. I think we have to say uh, atypical gene, right? I'm quoting the episode here. My Uncle Gene was also an atypical gene. <laughs> oh, you have an Uncle Gene too? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely some uh, some regrettable use of language surrounding the Levi's I got from the thrift store. Also, atypical jeans. Ooh, yeah, yeah. The Jenkos that I got at Ross <laughs> Dress for Less. Atypical in more ways than one. Somehow, two left legs <laughs> on those jeans. The scientists didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Uh, so. During this scene, we get the pan flute of providing a family mental health history as mm. Chakotay runs this, this issue down, where his grandpa saw things and heard things and uh, refused treatment because you know his spirit was injured and he had to honor that injury. That's not the way Chakotay thinks about these things, but it is what he has to draw on as an example. One of the main frustrations I had with this episode was that at this moment in time, the question is raised, like, is crazy space the reason for crazy Chakotay? And the doctor's like, I don't know. But we all know. We all know at this moment that it's the crazy space that's done this to him. And yeah. so we have to be, like, dragged through this story of everyone coming to this conclusion that we've already gotten to. And almost as though they are impatient to get the episode over with. Janeway goes back up to the bridge and they're like, well, why, why don't we just try using impulse engines and get the fuck out of here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go. And they start going, but then they stop because they pick up a cool spooky ship on sensors. And I was like, yeah. get some sensor readings of the cool spooky ship and keep going. Yeah. Why stop? Why stop now? That's not how they do things on Voyager, though. No, not when you're in chaotic space. This ship was really cool, though. I thought it looked great. I like seeing ships outside of windows and not the view screen. There's something that just hits different about that, right? Yeah. And I like that we never get a really clear view of it because of the way the special effects of chaotic space kind of like slice it up into triangles. This McLaughlin group is a stand-up McLaughlin group, right? Issue one. And what's the deal with chaotic space? You rarely get this kind. They're looking out the window in the <laughs> conference room and they are all listening to this final distress call of the captain. Only an episode where Pat Buchanan isn't on because he wouldn't put up with that shit. Yeah, he's not standing. Fuck that. <laughs> and the doc tells everyone that the crew hallucinated for a year and then they died. What a terrible way to go. They died of exposure too. Like a hull breach opened up. A hull breach? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the captain is like, let's not move now. Let's let's not go anywhere and do anything silly. Well, she has some interesting ideas. She's like, go loot that ship for its sensors. There's coffee in that derelict ship. Also, the doc wants that captain's body beamed over so we can do a Y incision on it. I was like, oh man, we're going to get a crispy I know. alien. This is so exciting. How about new? No? Yeah. Nope. No. <laughs> Elliptically, we edit past the alien autopsy into the on-screen report that he's showing the captain with like an ECU of some protein coating that got stripped off of something. Yeah, we spent all the budget on Chakotay's hair this episode. <laughs> we can't show the why. It's pretty similar to what's happening with Chakotay. And that's interesting. Yeah. Chicote's watching this report with everyone else and he's like, is this a good time for me to take some mushrooms? Because <laughs> I really think it's a great time to take some mushrooms. And the doctor's like, 
Weird time to be taking mushrooms, Chicote. But if you're gonna go on a trip, here's these clip show devices. Yeah. I love the construction of like permission to trip balls, Captain. <laughs> permission granted. <laughs> uh, it's big fun. So Chicote goes back to his quarters and lays out the bindle that he uses to go on mushroom trips and begins his vision quest. Yeah. And he wakes up in a misty, you know, slightly desaturated Sears Garden Center and is pretty quickly talking to this old man who's you know, disoriented and kind of, you know, speaking in metaphor. It's as dark as a Star Trek Picard season three episode before Paramount corrects it and re-uploads <laughs> it to the feed. <laughs> Are you following along with that shit? No. Paramount Plus keeps putting out incorrectly HDR'd episodes of Star Trek Picard. No kidding. I'm going to paraphrase Terry Metalis because he's been very diplomatic on Twitter about this. What the fuck is Paramount Plus doing to my baby? They've murdered my boy <laughs> before putting it online. And this has happened the last few episodes. Dang, that sucks. Yeah. The screeners look good. I mean, they're, they're not in uh, 4K HDR, but they look good in HD. Yeah. As many problems as we have with Paramount Plus, I think the creators of Star Trek Picard have more. <laughs> And worse. <laughs> and like, look at what they did to season two. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be like that. Just look at season two. I was supposed to be in it. I'm supposed to be a recurring character. They had me in the trailer and then they took me out of the show. You think that's bad? Try to watch season <laughs> one. <laughs> So we're not getting like super key information from grandpa, but he wants Chakotay to come with, right? You know what's nice about the Chakotay's grandpa character is how good he seems to be feeling. Like, I think so often the depiction of old suffering from dementia is terrifying. And yeah. I'm saying this as someone who has had a old with dementia in my family it sucks. It sucks worse than maybe anything I've been through to be up close to that. And yeah. Chicote's grandfather here seems to be having a great day. There is that kind of dementia, though. Like, we have an older family member who's going through it right now, and there was a part where she could feel it slipping away from her, and that was really scary and hard. But then when it was gone, it kind of like released all of the anxiety that that had produced. She like was happy in that way, you know, like she doesn't remember, you know, her daughter, but she is, she's like not freaked out all the time, you know? God, what a moment of dead seriousness in this show <laughs> we just had. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are all, there are all kinds of ways to, to be afflicted. And Chakotay's grandfather has, I guess one of the better ones. He's trying to find the place where his spirit lives. And evidently that spirit is inside a pitch black cave. <laughs> yeah. So Chicote follows him into the aperture of this cave and uh, like turns around a corner and uh, finds that he is in a boxing ring. So, so that's apparently his, his grandfather's spirit is in the gym. Man, oh, man. 
But before they get to the gym, like they're in the center part of the cave, like the center part of the train tunnel. And Chakotay the Younger turns on his black light and it is like, oh no, grandpa. Oh no. (laughs) This is where your spirit lives? Looks like your spirit's been living all over these cave walls. Why is your spirit cave like a Nike shoebox (laughs) that you keep under your desk? So they they make it to a place that smells only slightly better at the other end of this thing, the boxing ring. <laughs> and uh, Chakotay freaks out and wakes up and is like, ah, oh, the aliens were trying to talk to me in there. But which aliens is he talking about? Like, is he talking about the aliens that they just found on the ship? Could you tell whether Chakotay wanted to wake up or he was woken up? Like, this is part of the episode that's so confusing to me. Like, who wants this? You see him starting awake, so it's not like a hypo spray that's waking him up. I would have wanted to wake up in the middle of the cave. That's the part that I I want to leave. That's where you start awake. Uh, ah! Oh, thank God. It was just a nightmare. <laughs> it was Grandpa's cum cave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not how mushroom trips work, right? You don't just like start awake and you're not in the trip anymore, right? I've never been on a mushroom trip. I've tried so many times and I always fail. But as hallucinations go due to drugs, and I haven't had very many of these either, not very many of them go sexual, right? Like the the trips are often like spiritual and not sexual, or are they? The drugs that I've had combined with my personal disposition (laughs) as a man (laughs) have not typically gone in a sexual direction. Okay, that's good. (laughs) All right, I just wanted to do some research there. So there's aliens in his mind, and I couldn't really figure out which aliens he was talking about, but I guess they're chaotic space aliens. Right. He's afflicted. He's now chaotic. (laughs) This is the scene where I thought he might be reading off cue cards. (laughs) I don't think this is a not interesting idea. This idea that for Chakotay to get with the aliens in his head, he has to drop his defenses against a mental affliction that he's terrified of because of what it's done to the members of his family. It's a very interesting twist on the episode where Troy has like dreams of the aliens on the other side of the anomaly telling them how to get out, right? Eyes in the dark. Yeah, like send some hydrogen out here so we can blow it up. Right. It's not quite articulated in a way that is clear, though. Phrases like rentilic trajectory don't exactly give you confidence that he is giving you usable, actionable information (laughs) from whatever he's in communication with. Yeah. That is a guess that does not win Wheel of Fortune. No, that is not correct. Yeah, like the word first contact gets dropped in uh, the briefing that the doctor does for the captain. So they're treating this as like an interesting new alien that they need to be trying to communicate with. There's an interesting conflict happening here between the captain and Chakotay that begins here and like goes throughout the episode, which is, you don't want us to die, do you? Like, it's worth being uncomfortable if it means saving us. Right. <laughs> I mean, that goes to the theme that's established in that first scene where Boothby was in Chakotay's corner and saying the thing about like the real, the real boxing matches with your own fear of getting hurt or whatever. This is like not being afraid of the baseball when you're playing Little League. 
You know, you got to get your body in front of it. That's what Got that's it. what Janeway's telling Chakotay, like, put your brains in front of these aliens. That way you can catch the message that they're trying to send us. When I tried out for Little League, when I first started playing, my dad told me that in the car on the way to the field where the tryouts were being held. And then he volunteered to be one of the dads catching balls in the outfield. And the sun got in his eyes and he caught a ball in the face and it split his lip all the way up to his Oh my his God. Nose. And his face was just like gushing blood. And he like got in the car and drove himself to the hospital so that I could continue my Little League. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not getting in between the ball and the ground. No fucking way. And you've been traumatized watching your dad take one to the dome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, I also like was like, holy shit, what a fucking badass my dad is. He's like got like literally the most grisly injury I've ever seen. And he got in the fucking Camry and drove like 20 <laughs> minutes to a hospital. <laughs> There's rarely ever been that much blood in a Camry before. <laughs> or since. <laughs> Do you think you make the team if you catch one in the face and then leave tryouts halfway through? That's Ben Harrison. His dad is a fucking savage who sucks at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Ben has a genetic predisposition to catching baseballs to the face. For some reason, the gene's been switched on. We should make him catcher so he's got to wear the catcher's mask. <laughs> Chakotay is being asked to turn his trembles to rages and continue mm. making first contact for the good of the ship. He's feeling a type of way about it because he doesn't want to go spar with Kid Chaos. Take this haircut for the team, he's told. <laughs> so the doctor kind of like lulls him back into the vision quest. And when he goes back in, he's got a security team led by Tuvok with rifles aimed at Kid Chaos. And Boothby is trying to talk him out of murdering Kid Chaos. But like all of the rest of the crew are really like riding for like do whatever it takes to stop Kid Chaos. I'm not that much of an idiot when I watch movies and TV. I wrote papers on this stuff in college. Like I'm I'm pretty sharp about this. <laughs> you got to believe me when I say that. But when I saw Tuvok and a bunch of security people carrying phaser rifles, I was like, are they there too? Like, are they wearing something that puts them inside Chakotay's hallucination? Do we skip a scene? Uh, what are you doing here? It sort of broke the episode for me to see familiars in Chakotay's hallucination instead of just like grandpa or whatever. Like there is a scene that's a little later that feels sort of inspired by prophet experiences in the wormhole. Yes. But yeah. this isn't that. It's like Tuvok riding for the most violent solution. Paris saying Kid Chaos is going to kick your ass. This is the most hallucinatory moment of the episode. This is all over the place. It's wild, and it cuts around. Like, there's a part where Chakotay is working the heavy bag on the bridge. There's a part where the doctor is in, like, a lab coat, like, dancing around on the in the ring. You remember that episode where we went from conference room through the bridge into the ready room? Yeah. I love the variation on that, being in the center of the bridge, doing whip pan from conference room over to Ready Room that we get here. There's a lot interesting about how this is set up. I was like, I am not following. I had to rewind so many times. And then like the rewinding was unsatisfying. I like rewound a bunch of times. And then I went and read the plot summary on Memory Alpha. 
And I still like don't feel like I totally got this episode. <laughs> there sure is a diminishing returns of weirdness, right? Like when you especially get into hallucinatory scenes like this, you can go too far. And maybe they did. Yeah. And it's like, we're also still in the flashback. So we're in a hallucination within a flashback. When do we, when do we catch up to one again? Like, <laughs> I don't know when that occurs. He winds up back in the Sears Garden Center with Grandpa. And it's a big, I'm not, I'm nothing like you, Grandpa. I'm not going to be a crazy person. I'm not going to succumb to it, you know, and the grandpa saying like, hey, man, like it's it's not the worst thing in the world. It sounds for a moment like grandpa is speaking for the aliens, too. Yeah. And Flodder's there in the background. <laughs> yeah. And Trevis. They both hear the bell from the boxing ring in this scene. Like they both seem to be experiencing the same hallucination, except grandpa is a hallucination. Right. So that's weird. It seems like the boxing match is back on... But the doctor, you know, in his lab coat enters the ring and is like waving his hands over his head that it's like medically unwise for Chakotay to fight. And he gets he gets woken up by hypo spray. And I couldn't tell. Was he like on the floor when they wake him up? Yeah. Like, how did he get to his apartment? <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck happened? I don't get it. What exactly don't you get? I wish I knew whether the episode was intentionally confusing or this is a mistake, like a, a continuity error. Yeah, because it's a big continuity error if it's an error. And it's not really yeah. the kind of mistake that Star Trek typically makes. It all adds up to a feeling of discomfort throughout the episode that I think is intentional. Right. But it's to what extent there's any coherence to that. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? Back in reality, but I guess still in the flashback. It doesn't make sense. They're dropping Boise. Seems like a good plan. It does seem like a good plan. It's like how you get out of a Nagilum, if you will. Boy, I definitely had Nagilum flashbacks. You seem to find no tranquility in anything. You know, they find that they've been going in a circle. Not a surprise. This sucks. This is so frustrating. Back in the ass lab, Seven has called Janeway in to report a pattern that she's found inside this crazy space. Is it like a naturally occurring thing or is it something trying to communicate? Janeway seems to know in this scene. And when we cut over to Six Bay, Janeway tells the doctor that the thing that she saw in the ass lab is familiar to her because... It is the nucleotide resonance frequency that she remembers from an exam question she got wrong back in her academy days. How convenient. What kind of memory does Janeway have? <laughs> I remember every wrinkle on Tom Mervins' penis. <laughs> I could draw it from memory. Well, it's like uh, poker players always remember the big losses, but rarely remember the big wins. So she remembers the question she got wrong on the exam, she remembers Tom Mervins's penis wrinkles because they they constitute the big losses in her life. Great explanation. <laughs> so that means that the signal that they found has been a form of activation in the DNA right. inside Chakotay's body. But Chakotay, like they sort of gesture over to Chakotay, who's in Six Bay, is a fucking mess. And he's there like babbling 
about both boxing and the people who live in this crazy part of space. It's not an hallucination, not a vision quest. It's a prize fight. He's got real, I could have been a contender energy and wants to be sent back in to fight Kid Chaos. Uh, he's just got to stay off the ropes, Adam. A lot like his grandfather. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so there are so many scenes where Chakotay is like, I got to get back in there to fight these aliens. And no one at any point is like, we don't fight on first contact, Chakotay. Like, you should try to communicate and not fight. But that's never an angle of correction that anyone takes with him. Like, everyone seems to intrinsically understand the metaphor of this yeah it's it's real weird like they still are like trying to work in the this is really a fight with your own self uh stuff into the scene so like he persuades them to let him go back in because i guess it's it's all a metaphor and like the fight is the communication things are getting more urgent because the bangers are starting to get stronger and chicote does get back in the ring so he goes in and uh, he's got his make we smaller bathrobe on. He takes that off and he's wearing this very shiny shirt. <laughs> it really made me laugh. I love the reveal of boxing in a rash guard. <laughs> I read about the pre-production of this episode, Chakotay, like well before this episode was even a glimmer in the writer's eye. I was like, look, if we ever do a boxing episode, give me a heads up. I want to like try to get myself into boxing shape. I'm in shape, but I'm not in boxing shape. So promise me you give me a couple of months to train. Yeah. Robert Beltran was told he was going to do the boxing episode 10 days before. <laughs> there is no amount of shups that you can do to make yourself good on TV in 10 days. <laughs> so I think that's why he's wearing the rash guard. They're like, you know what show you're on, right, Robert? You, yeah. You know that we have no respect for you. <laughs> As, as a production staff. God. What the fuck? Beltran could have broken the internet if he takes off his robe and he shredded like Stallone in Rocky Four. Oh man, I would love to see that. I would be so excited if that's what happened at the end of this episode. I would, I would forgive any continuity error this episode had in it if he was totally fucking swole at the end of it. Can you imagine how fucking crazy the slash fiction would have been had it been revealed that Chakotay is absolutely ripped and exploded underneath that uniform. Oh my God. Tom Mervin certainly never picked me up into a standing 69 before. <laughs> you have the strength of four men, Chakotay. I'll lounge in your bathtub any day. Sounds great. So he starts boxing with Kid Chaos, and this is where we start cutting around. And it's like they're using the words spoken by characters previously in the episode to say new things. So it's like cutting from Janeway to Seven of Nine to Grandpa to the EMH to back to Seven of Nine to like get a sentence out. You are lost. Do you understand? I love this part. This is like the dialogue version of a ransom letter using a bunch of cut-up magazines, you know? Totally, yeah. I thought it was really cool. And, like, cooler than a 
than the prophets' experiences in DS9 for that reason, because it's like because it's faster and it's a higher degree of difficulty. Yeah, like you have to write everything that you need characters to say in order to have enough raw material for the, a scene like this. And uh, yeah. I, I was really worried they wouldn't have enough raw material, but they did. I know that's often a concern for you and people near you. I mean, I'm surprised that we have podshop.biz given all of the raw materials that are required to run a, a web store like that. What I love about podshop.biz is that it's a uh, print on demand. So the raw materials are none of our concern. <laughs> That's what I love about it too, Adam. <laughs> so the big reveal here, Ben, I had so many guesses about who Kid Chaos would be. I thought for a moment it was going to be Chakotay. Yeah. Because that's the real opponent in any boxer's life, right? Right. Themselves. You see this guy here staring back at you? Yeah. That's your toughest opponent. But Kid Chaos is full of stars, and Kid Chaos does not wear a rash guard. No. Kid Chaos has the body for this. And um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the dialogue is essentially like, this is our house and you've got to get out. And you may be confused about how we're going to tell you all you everything you need to, to do. And so like in a sort of lucid state, Chakotay gets up and is like, okay, like they're telling me, but I like can't hold enough things in my head. So I got to run up to the bridge and punch this information into the console. And he goes and like, you know, throws Harry Kim out of the way. This is like my wife and I going to a grocery store and my wife telling me what to get and I don't have a list. <laughs> I got to run in there yeah. and I got to get these things before I forget. You never know what's going to happen on Supermarket Sweep. Get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> no time for a cart. <laughs> it's got your arms full of like 300 items. <laughs> So he puts in some coordinates and stuff, and they throw the impulse engines on. They get out of there. Chakotay kind of collapses from the effort. He did it. He yeah. did it, but at what cost, Ben? Hmm. Yeah, now he's totally out of his mind. What if we got out of his mind, Chakotay, the rest of the series? <laughs> I loved the uh, special effect as they leave the chaotic space. I like that, too kind of two shimmery voyagers yeah, becoming one. Yeah. And then blasting in a cave <laughs> in total darkness. It seems like the voices in Chakotay's head don't go away immediately, but they, they do go away eventually. And uh, the button on the episode is Chakotay literally getting back in the fight. I love the punch to black. I like a fun cut to credits and you definitely get one this episode yeah really good but did you get a good episode before the credits ben mm, great question adam i think i have made myself clear that there's a lot of things in this episode that i thought were really neat but overall i think it's a really messy confusing bad episode <laughs> and it's such a shame because we've been like really wanting a good Chakotay episode for a lot of season five and feeling like he's really been getting short shrift. Yeah. And this is a big, like, I think Robert Beltran is great in this episode. I think he does a great job with a, either a script or an edit that is totally unintelligible to me. This episode like made me feel dumb and like I was missing stuff because I, I found it so confusing. At no point were you even close to anything 
that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yeah, we're professional media reviewers, and this one was really hard for me to hold in my mind. I thought, you know, much like the jazz gummies that we like to take, Mm. there is a sweet spot for scenes of hallucination. And I feel like this episode is just too strong. Right. In that way. This is like a 10 milligram hallucination episode. And I really want like a two and a half milligram hallucination. That's what I'm getting at. I'll always respect the attempt in going big. And in this case, I do. But I don't think that it creates a satisfying episode at the very end, outside of some very interesting performances that we get. Like this is a performance over story type of episode that I don't think we get that often. One of the pieces of trivia that I read about this episode was really fun and that this, the the story made Rick Berman angry about how smart it was. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, and wanted it changed to make it simpler. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Hard to tell uh, who won that conflict. Okay. When all is said and done. (laughs) Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Well, Adam, there are no priority one messages on this episode because this is a Max Fundrive episode. Uh, we hope that folks listening to this not during the Max Fund Drive will consider supporting our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash join and setting up a monthly membership. There's no level of support that we would deem too strong mm. for us. Yeah. Give me the full 10 milligrams, baby. Yeah. 10 milligrams of support would be really appreciated. But look, if five is is all you can swing, hell fucking yeah. That'll do the job. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I was going to give it to Chakotay the Younger, but I think I'm going to give it to Chakotay the Older for just the bliss that he felt for most (laughs) of the time he was on screen. Happy and doddering. Yeah, I could get with that. Those are some old goals (laughs) for me. Yeah, it's not so bad once you get used to it. I've got something terrifying. Uh... That's that's running through the DNA of of my family on the men's side. So, yeah, I should be so lucky. <laughs> Man, that is very persuasive, Adam. I think uh, I think I'm going to draw a line through what I wrote down and join you on the old Tricote Square. Wow, that's a great drunk Shimoda. All right, Ben, you know what's next. It's game time. Heading to gach.biz slash game. Where the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker is kept. Uh, we've got a couple of squares we could hit, it looks like. We could hit a Kanar with Damar square. And uh, that's one where we invent a cocktail that tastes like what we imagine Kanar would be. But don't we have an actual bottle of Kanar now? There's a bottle of Kanar on the shelf behind me that's like the official Star Trek Kanar, which I believe is red wine. 
But then also a friend of DeSoto made like an Amaro that was designed to be a canar. If we land on that, we should do that episode together and we'll drink the canar. Yeah. Canar actual. The other thing we could hit is a caretaker square, which randomizes everything. We uh, roll a 100-sided die to find out where the shuttle goes next. Oh, that's fun. It really is. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, set this up and roll this bone. Oh, but before I do that, I got to tell you what the episode's going to be, right? Lay it on me. It's going to be season five, episode 19, Think Tank. (laughs) Voyager is ambushed by a race known as the Hazari with no way of escape. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right. Rolling the bone. And I wedged us right in between the Kinar with Damar Square and the Caretaker Square. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So, regular old episode next week for Think Tank. Love it. Well, this is our second Max Fun Drive uh, episode of the year and our final Max Fun Drive of the year for this show. We are just so grateful for everyone who supported. Max Fun Drive runs through the end of the month. And uh, if you haven't supported already, we sure hope you'll consider doing so. I know how it feels sometimes to uh, listen to a Drive episode of your favorite media property and go, someone else will do it. Someone else will support so I don't have to. Mm. But I really want to encourage you to, uh, to be the support you want to see in the world. It really makes a difference for us. It's really important that we get our show supported. It helps us keep going and make new plans. Man, I'm looking at this candy I ate. It says it's, it said it expired in April of 1998. Damn. Jesus Christ. I should have eaten that chocolate from Germany. What was I thinking? The expiration is old enough for you to date. <laughs> uh, we got to thank our producer, Wendy Pretty, who keeps all of the production plates spinning over expert Shimoda and Rab Adler who edited this week's episode we gotta thank all of the hardworking folks at MaximumFun.org who help us with all the logistics of getting episodes out every week gotta thank Bill Tilly the card daddy who runs our social media at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter and uh, gotta thank Adam Bergusia who made our original theme music Podshop.biz is where you pick up an item to put on your birdie or drink coffee out of or put a dewy glass on top of to protect your wooden table Mm. you know yeah you respect wood don't you ben i do respect wood yeah well with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of star trek voyager and an episode of the greatest generation voyager that's busting jerry it's busting busting makes me feel good MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.